With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, 1460 on the AM dial, 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you up until noon, solo edition today. Uh, Trent is off, finishing up his weekend in Kansas City, where his twins snuck by the Royals. Pretty good game. Um, Merrifield leads off with a double in the ninth inning, but the Twins' bullpen able to close the deal. So at least he saw his squad uh, get a win. He'll be back tomorrow. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports momentarily. Bama Bob, bottom of the hour on college football. Uh, let's get Matt Snyder in here. Matt, Ken Miller, as always, thank you for doing this every Monday at this time as we go around Major League Baseball. Pretty eventful weekend. How are you? I'm great. Uh, you know, uh, we're, what, what are we, about a third of the way through the season? It's, it's nice to feel like we're back into the marathon. No, I'm so, with you. Some teams are getting around 60 games that we had last year. Yeah. You, you know what? I never thought of it that way, but you're, that's crazy when you put it that way. That's, that's all we got for a regular season. I mean, grateful we got anything. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but that was the number, and that's where we would be right now. Yeah, this is this will be just about it. Maybe one or two games left for a few teams. Yeah, unreal. So let's start. Uh, we'll we'll go around the weekend. It was um, you know it was eventful in a lot of cities, but the big story I think from last week. And we saw it with Joe West, who was in Chicago, where he broke the record for a number of games um, uh, umpired, which is a remarkable, remarkable feat. Say what you want about the guy. He's not the most popular, and fans love to pick on him. But, uh, boy, he has stood the test of time and then some. But I think he was the first, at least the first that I saw this year that actually went to the mound, and I know Mike Schilt was PO'd about it because one of his pitchers uh, against the White Sox, Major League Baseball has identified the spin rate that these pitchers are able to produce and are wondering why all of a sudden these numbers are escalating the way that they are. Well, they've pinpointed it to a, you know, a an epidemic, I guess, of foreign substance being used by pitchers, and they're going to start cracking down. Is that the right thing to do? Yes. I mean, it's it's not the only thing that should be happening, but for for sure, the, I mean, it's you can see guys touching their glove, and there's a different color in, in the spot that they're touching it. I, we have a picture, picture we ran today of Trevor Bauer yesterday with just a big brown blotch right in the middle of his throwing hand on a pitch and he's been one of the ones that's been saying hey this is a big deal we need to to crack down on this so yeah i I mean it's we've discussed this week after week after week uh when the pitching's too good and the league batting average is 236 you need to do everything you can to find a way to bring the league batting average up and if, if one of those things is going after substances then by all means absolutely do that so when did we first saw that this was kind of being 
not as enforced as strictly as as I mean, we we all when we're kids, right? Spitballs uh, and doctoring oh, the baseball yeah. and Necro with the file in his back pocket and it falling when out. It fell out. Yeah, that was yeah. was that in Minnesota. I think it. I, I think so. I think yeah, it was yeah. in Minnesota. I, I can picture it. Yeah. yeah, I can too. Yeah. So, so we know that this has been going on forever, right? Pitchers and I mean, everybody's trying to get an edge. There's just too much money in the game. But I can remember, oh, not too many years ago, there was postseason baseball, and I want to say it was in Boston, and it was a cold night, an October night in the 30s, and pitchers were having trouble getting the ba- gripping the baseball. And one of the t- one of the players on the other team complained, and basically the the result of the complaining was, well, we got to do this something. These guys can't get the grip the baseball. Yeah, you have. Do you remember that? I'm pretty sure it was Boston, but that was the first time Maybe. I could. Yeah. yeah, I can recall that it was being an issue, and baseball looked the other way at that time. Was that maybe the beginning of what led to the point that we're seeing just everybody doing it now? It's possible, yeah. I mean, if you say, well, we have to use this to, to get a grip on the ball, otherwise we might hit somebody in the head, and then, oh, yeah, well, well you better be able to use that, then, of course, they're going to take that and run with it and, and use it excessively or use it when they don't need it. So, yeah, anything like that, it, it, if you give any player any room to, to wiggle, they're going to go crazy. So, yeah, for sure that could be it. Will we see um will will, they, will will we see these rules come into play this year with I know the one of the pieces that I read and um it was at CBS Sports was uh 10 games or 10 day suspension. Will we get to that point this year or is this something that has to be collectively bargaining or can can Major League Baseball just come in and and, um, and set the parameters for suspension? I that's a good question. I don't know. Um I, I, we might. I I feel like it probably is something that would have to be collectively bar- collectively bargained to to put in permanently, like a hard and fast set rule. But if it's not on the books right now, surely they could just start saying, "Well, just like when guys throw at somebody, and they said, well, we determined that was intentional, so you get suspended for eight games or whatever.'" Surely they could just say, "Hey, we we sent you a memo before the season, and we said you're not allowed to do this. We're cracking down, and you did it." So that's eight games. That's ten games. Mm-hmm. I, I think they could probably do that. And then if the players are angry about it, then we'll deal with that in the offseason like we're going to be dealing with a lot of stuff. Mm. Well, I think we need more offense in baseball. And uh, if this uh, does curtail it, uh, we'll, we'll see the result is. What I want to know from you, Matt Snyder, is – um, because there's hundreds, hun- literally hundreds of people that go on record prior to the season, whether you're a writer, whether you're a blogger, whether you're a talking head on TV, whether you're a sports talk radio, whoever has an opinion puts out there and they're a baseball fan predicts what their World Series is going to be. And I'm not saying that we're going to get there, but there's a chance we could see Red Sox and the San Francisco Giants. Matt Snyder, I want to be the, meet the person that predicted that World Series. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, the team they were historically good, uh, and I remembered when I went through and I did their preview. Like I looked at the offense, and I said, "Man, I really like this offense." But then you look at the rotation, and you're like, "Eh, ALE, I'm not seeing that happening." But even more so, the Giants just seems from out of absolutely nowhere, and uh, they even if you think let's say they're 15 games over 500 right now. Let's say that you think they're a true talent 500 team. Mm-hmm. Even if they played around 500 the rest of the year, 
14 to 16 games over 500, that's going to get them in the playoffs. I know it. So they've already built that kind of a cushion there, and they're getting it done with guys that, I mean, there are either you thought they were too old and washed up, like mm-hmm. Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, who unfortunately is hurt now. Well, that was, or that guys was nasty. That you probably, yeah, it was. Or guys you probably maybe not have even heard that much. Stephen Duggar, Lamont Wade Jr., right. Jason Vossler hit a huge bomb against the Cubs the other day. <laughs> it's uh and and what they're doing with the rotation it's mm-hmm. it's remarkable you, you've got to tip your cap no i'm with you um i watched a lot of that series yeah that longoria crawford collision is is that and i don't watch enough giants baseball maybe i should ask our, our producer behind the glass here andrew downs a big fan as well defense for this team i know they tried to give it away on certainly on the in the ninth inning on saturday night tried to hand the cubs the game had a couple of gaffes yesterday i mean what is the weakness of this giants team uh, yeah, I don't think it, I mean, that, that play was just funky. It, it, was, it was like there was some weird action off of Rizzo's bat and Brandon Crawford's one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball still. So usually Longoria wouldn't try to butt in on that. I think it was just a kind of a fluky play. And unfortunately it cost Longoria about six weeks. Oof. Um, if, if there's a, a weakness, geez, uh, maybe bullpen depth. Um, either that or hitting for average because they've been heavily reliant on, uh, on power specifically home runs when they're away from home. Uh, Let's uh, talk about the National League Central. There's um, a tie at the top of it. Here come the Brewers. They've won four straight. Cubs cooled off in San Francisco. Cardinals are really struggling uh, right now. I want to go to Chris Bryant first and foremost with you. We see him play right field. He's quick enough that he has to play center field. We saw an unbelievable catch in left field yesterday in the ninth inning. We know he can play third. We know he fills in at first base. He's hitting the baseball. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, there was a time that I thought Chris Bryant was going to break the bank. Then there was last year, and we thought there's no way this guy's going. There's nobody uh, going to come close to f- fulfilling his contractual uh, needs, if you will. Especially when you consider Boros as his agent. Are we back to that point right now, thinking that this guy is going to break the bank, and maybe more so deserves to break the bank? Yeah, he should. And I think I, I mean. I actually think he was underrated. If you throw out, if you throw out last season, which we can do for a lot of guys, um, yeah, he was hurt some in 2018. But if you looked at like his triple slash line, it, it, 2017 to 2019, it's not a ton different from when he won MVP. I just think rookie of the year, then MVP at age 24, and the Cubs won the World Series. Expectations were okay. He's going to be as good as Trout, um, and he wasn't. But he was not a ton different from 2017 to 2019 than he was in 2016. So I think he got slapped with some unfair expectations. But after the down 2020 and everybody kind of looking like, oh, well, he wasn't really that good. He was overrated. I think now everybody's starting to open their eyes and say, wow, maybe he really is that good and we slept on him too much. Now, to be clear, this is a career year right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's better than he was in 2016 right now. Um, age 29, going to be interesting to see what kind of deal he gets. If he gets the free agency, my hunch is he does. Uh, what do you know? Uh, he's, age, he's age 29. Six years, maybe? Mm-hmm. Got to go 35 to 40 per year, six years. It's going to be big. Uh, no doubt about it. Where are you on the Cardinals? Their fan base, at least some of them, seem to be 
jumping off that bandwagon. They yeah. get swept by the Reds. They what, they've lost like six out of their last seven games. Pitching has been struggling as of late. We know what uh, obviously the DLs or the ILs rather uh, that they've had to incur. Um, is this the real Cardinals? Did we make too much of this Cardinal team? Might this team be the one that's the odd team out? Might we just be looking at Brewers and Cubs down the stretch? Are you ready to write off the Redbirds? Oh uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I, I still I, I, they're better than this. Um, as you mentioned, you've got the injured list with DeYoung there, Bader there. Uh, the biggest one's Jack Flaherty. Now, it's going to be a big deal how long Flaherty's out because I, obviously he's a game changer in the rotation. And when you have other guys like Carlos Martinez struggling, and you have Adam Wainwright who's age 39, who's going to be inconsistent. You've got to have that ace in the middle there to, to kind of play the role of stopper. And without Flaherty, they don't have that. So that is a big deal. But, I mean, they're better than they're playing right now. Um, 31-29, that's probably a pace to win like 83, 84 games. They're probably more like 86, 87-ish wins, Mm -hmm. which might be good enough to to win the Central. So maybe a little better than this, but not a ton better. But the Cubs and Brewers aren't a ton better than that either. So it could well still end up being a three-team race. But And the other thing is, now that the Reds just swept the Cardinals in four games, the Reds are only four games yeah, out right now. Right, as bad as they've been. That's a good point. It was going to be a fun race. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a, a, the wild card safety net there or in the East as we talked no. about. I mean, it looks like all the both wild cards are coming out of the West as we sit here today. So let's go to the to the Mets because I was watching Sunday Night Baseball. I think it was Viscergin who put this little nugget out uh, during the broadcast last night. They've been tracking. They've been ERA has been a thing since 1913. And never in the history of baseball since 1913, since they've been tracking ERA, has a pitcher had a lower ERA through nine starts than Jacob DeGrom. Do you, can you put in context what we're watching here in this guy? I mean, he is, he's breaking a hundred miles an hour multiple, a couple of dozen times every one of his starts. He is having an historic season. And I have to remind you, baseball's been around for over 100 years. What what kind of yeah. context can you put around this season? <laughs> I'm probably not good enough to do it justice. It's hard, isn't it? Uh, it's funny you said in 1913, we've still got a few years left in the dead ball era right. in there. He's pitching better than anybody did in the dead ball era. And it's not just the ERA, which is 0.62 is ridiculous. But, it, I mean, 93 strikeouts and 8 walks and 58 innings? Mm. Are you kidding me? From a starter? Uh the the whip zero point five seven that that's base runners per inning, so he's almost we're almost to the point where it's just one base runner every two innings is about what he averages. That's absurd. Uh, and, and we talked about how much better the pitchers are than the hitters, but he's still on another level than everybody else. Um, age thirty three, he 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 got a late start. Yep. He, he didn't come up until he was twenty six. His first full season was when he was twenty seven. But I think we're looking at it as somebody building a Hall of Fame resume here. He's working on his third Cy Young in four years. You could have made an argument that he should have won last year. Um, And if he won last year, he'd be working on his fourth straight. I mean, we we might be looking at Mm -hmm. a Sandy Koufax-level run here. He's in the fourth year. Koufax is almost six years. But, I mean, we could be looking at something like that. 
Uh, I, I don't think that's over the top. I really don't. He's, he's just, he's unhittable for crying out loud. It's, it's, it's almost, I mean, Fernando Tatis, uh, hit one down the right field line when I was watching it on Saturday night. I think that surprised Tatis that he was able to get his bat on the ball. And this is one of the best players in the game. Uh, I spent a lot of time yeah. this weekend talking about the, uh, watching rather the Astros. Uh, they were up against my Blue Jays in Buffalo, which is really cool to see the fans of Buffalo getting an opportunity to see Major League Baseball and some of the teams. Yeah. Uh, that come in. I'm convinced that when it's all said and done, no disrespect to the A's or their fan base that's out there. I know there's a few in the market. Boy, this just looks like the team that's going to that's going to prevail in the West, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. It's not even that big of a question to me. I know they're still behind, but remember, they lost nine out of ten in in the middle of April when they had. Gosh, it was uh, Altuve, Bregman. Um, your Don Alvarez, I think a couple other guys were all down on the COVID list, and they lost nine out of ten. If you threw that out, they've got a pretty decent lead on the A's right now, and that's only going to continue to kind of move in that direction through the rest of the year. So I think the Astros are going to win ninety to ninety-five, and that's going to be good enough to get it done. The A's are good, but they're not great. Mm-hmm. Last thing for you, Tony Larusa moved into second place all time, most wins ever by a manager. Like I remember Connie Mack's name, I don't remember Connie Mack's career, but here's the here's the stat that when I saw this yesterday, Tony Larusa been around forever, right? He managed some unbelievable baseball teams. He's nine hundred and sixty seven wins away from surpassing Connie Mack. I mean, think about that. How in the world? Did this guy win as many games as he did? Um, and he's a thousand, almost a thousand wins against the uh, uh, more than the guy who's chasing him. Yeah. Well, and he lost a ton too. I mean, he had like a bunch of one hundred one teams. He was just there. It was like fifty years or something. He, he managed. It's a, it's a different day. You know, like nobody would nobody would survive that long managing these days. Nor would I don't I don't think anybody would want to. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here. Yeah, 50 years, literally. No, wow. 53. Jeez. He made it for 53 years. He actually, <laughs> he actually had a losing record. Did he really? Uh, so he was, yeah, he was 3,731 and 3,948. Oh, Nine pennants, five World Series titles, but he had a losing record in in 53 years. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I remember the name. Again, he was dead. I'm pretty sure he was dead yeah. before I was born, and I'm old. Um, but, um, yeah, just when you see LaRusse's 1,000 games behind yeah, the guy, that's just, it really is. Matt Snyder, great conversation. Thank you for doing this. We, uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Matt. What do you got All coming right, up in CBS Sports? Anything you want to promote? Oh, actually, tomorrow I'm going to look at Javi Baez's numbers and try to see if anybody has been even close to this ridiculous in history in terms of like uh, kind of above average batting average, below average on base, well above average slugging. Um, I looked the other day and he was on pace for like 40 bombs, but 220 strikeouts, mm-hmm. but still an above average OPS. Like, I, I, I'm going to see if there's any examples in there. I'm going to guess there's none. And there's a bunch of shortstops that are free agents this year, right? Including him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the list is. Yeah, we got who's Javi, yep. Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, uh, Marcus Simeon, though he moved to second base this yep. year, you could still include him there. Anderson Simmons, it's Brandon Crawford, it's big. Jesus. Uh, of that list, might Story be the most underrated? I think because he plays in Colorado and they stink all the time. Um, Probably. We, do, we don't know his body of work. I mean, I mean that that's an unbelievable group. I'm not even sure where Bias it fits is. in that group. 
He's a unicorn, man. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we'll read that tomorrow at CBSSports.com. Matt Snyder covers baseball. CBSSports.com. If you're a Baez fan, look forward to that piece. Matt, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you. All right. Have, have a good one. Yep. Appreciate it. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Uh, from baseball to college football, when I come back, solo edition, Miller and Condon. Trent spending a long weekend with the family in Kansas City. He will be back tomorrow. Uh, but we have a ways to go yet before we turn things over. Well, at one o'clock to Murph and Andy, it's 1460 KXNO and 106- Do with the extra bread in your wallet. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1130, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Time to talk a little college football with our buddy Bama Bob. He joins the program. Bama, how are you? I'm good, Kenny. How are you? I mean, better than your Jets right Jesus, now. Jesus, man, oh man. You know what, though, Bama? Um, as much as I'd love to see them advance, whoever comes out of that series, and it's going to be Montreal, and it could happen as early as tonight, about 10 o'clock, as they dispatch the Jets. They're going to get Jets. pasted. They're going to get clobbered, aren't they? I mean, watching <laughs> oh, Las God. Vegas and Colorado, it's like they're in a, in a higher league, Bama. Honest to God, they it is. Are. They are, and I think the same way when I watch Tampa. I mean, yeah. if you want to grind it out, they'll grind. If you want to shoot out, they'll shoot out. And I'm telling you, I mean, you know I'm a Bruins fan, mm-hmm. but this series with the Islanders oh. is brutal. Yeah. I mean, it is. Turn the clock it back. It is old, yeah. old school, major fight. I mean, you have Taylor Hall fighting. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, give it, give it to me all day. But I mean, I know we're on to talk college football, but. Man, if you're not an NHL fan, you've got to watch the, the I mean, it's just the, it's just the best playoffs in sports, period. End of discussion. And, this and that's is, coming from a guy who was born and raised in the South. I felt to say those exact same words, Bama Bob. Uh, so when do, do <laughs> yeah. we see the Islanders and the Bruins tonight or tomorrow? Tonight. Wow. Early, though. It's 530. It's an early. No early way. Puck drop. Perfect. Yeah, 530 tonight because I think there's a game afterwards. Yeah, there's because, Winnipeg and so Montreal. We'll, yeah, so I don't know if they're stacking them or, or what, but yeah, I saw that, and uh, I'm actually down in Pensacola, and I, I was assuming six thirty-seven, whatever, and mm-hmm. I looked, and I'm like, ooh, okay, well, we've got to plan the day around that. No, it's it's so. a, it's appointment TV. That's a good series for that reason, Bam. It is kind of like uh, it's old school hockey, not quite to the extent as it once was, but uh, man, uh, it's tough. Real one other thing before we get to college football. I know you like to watch the Titans, boy, Julio Jones. Yeah. What's he got left? I mean, I know he's got something. You know, if he's seventy percent at his peak, Ken, because you've got Derrick Henry in the backfield, mm-hmm. and you've got uh, AJ Brown, Brown opposite yeah. him, who was a really deep threat last year. I mean, he was, you know, and last year you got to remember for the Titans. I mean, they let Corey Davis walk to the Jets. They were going to have to basically pay Corey. Had they picked up Corey Davis's fifth year option, they'd be paying him the exact same amount they're paying Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. So give me Julio. A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill, who is I think is really underrated as a quarterback, getting the ball down the field. Um, they did lose a couple of tight ends, but look, I mean, the Colts may still be the favorite in that with Wentz. I don't know if he can stay healthy, but man, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, that is just, <laughs> it's just so exciting. If he can stay on the field, right. and I think he will, because I think a lot of those injuries he's had 
were kind of frustration injuries, if you will. You know, maybe stuff he could have played through, but if you're four and ten, why do it? Yeah. Um, especially if you know you want out. So it, it's just it's going to be unlike any season the Titans have had in, in the last twenty twenty five years. If he's on the field and able to play at seventy percent of what he used to be, yeah, they got some weapons, no doubt about that. Bama, let's go yeah, to college fine. football. Uh, I was surprised on one hand. I mean, I'm, gl- I'm grateful David Shaw came out and he didn't hold back and he didn't sugarcoat yeah. it. Um, but he's got to remain. He's biting the hand that feeds him in a lot of ways, right? Because these networks pay a boatload of cash uh, to put these games right. uh, where they want them, where they think they can get eyeballs. Fox has that noon kick. That is their marquee game of the day. They've made. Mm-hmm. They've decided that our biggest game is going to be played at eleven o'clock. We've got back to back weeks uh, we, with uh, with Pac twelve teams, body clockwise at. Nine. So it's my opinion, Bama, that the following week, it's actually worse for Oregon, who's going to take on Ohio State in what will be yeah. appointment television. But at least David Shaw can, you know, he can, there's no school going on at that time. It's fall camp. You know, get the, get the guys on the field a little bit earlier to help them adjust for week one. Um, I was surprised that he went off that the way he did, knowing how much money every school makes from the television networks. Yeah, well, a couple things on that, Ken. I agree with you. So, to me, there's there's several things on this. One, if you really want to yell at somebody, yell at your AD for scheduling the game because these games are scheduled out, you know, years in advance, two or three minimum. Okay, you know when you're coming to Central or Eastern time zone that this is a possibility. That means a that it's a big game and people want to watch. And you're right. I mean. Take them out there Thursday. What do you, you know, why not? Get adjusted. You know, leave. It's not like Stanford's hurting for money, I don't think. They can probably afford a couple extra days. So take them out Thursday, Wednesday, whatever. I have not heard Mario Cristobal say anything about that early kick for Oregon. And here's the other thing, Ken. I think it gives your team an excuse. I think you've already planted a seed Mm -hmm. in your team's mind that, well, if we lose, it's because we had to kick off at nine o'clock. And I I don't like it. Uh, I'm surprised at it from David Shaw because David Shaw is usually a no nonsense, no excuses guy. You know, if he if if they lose, he'll say we got beat by a better team. Um, he's kind of old school, you know, tight ends, running backs, that kind of thing, defense. So I'm I'm kind of surprised that he went off the way he did. You can't blame Fox. Fox is you know look, all they're doing is exercising their contractual rights. If you want more, and where are you going to put that game? Are you going to put that game in prime time? I mean, Stanford, Kansas State, really? That's going to be in prime time? Yeah. I don't think so. So I'm I'm very surprised. I haven't heard anything or, or I haven't looked a lot, but I haven't heard Cristobal, who, like you said, has a game and has a much tougher game in Columbus the next week, and they're kicking off the same time. And I haven't heard him complain a bit. So um, surprised. It just sounds like whining to me, and I'm surprised at that from David Shaw. Yeah, and do you think, Bama, because I remember back, uh, it was 2015-16, and Stanford, I'm pretty sure Stanford played Northwestern when there were expectations, right? And it was an early kickoff then, and it went Northwestern's way, and and I think Shaw was beefing about that game. So maybe this is a hangover from five years ago. It could be, and, and but again, if you if you don't want that possibility, then don't schedule the game. Okay, I mean you have to schedule the game for TV and money. If you, if you know if you're Stanford, 
and profile and that kind of thing. But you have to also know that it can be a nine o'clock kickoff. I mean, Chris Peterson for years complaining about, you know, oh, all we get, you know, one thirty kicks or we never get one thirty kicks. Everything's always late. And that's because of television. You know, if, if you want a one thirty kick, be the best game of the day, yeah. you know, and go up against the SEC or wherever. But I, I Look, I get it. I just, to me, it already sounds like excuse making, and I, I don't like that. And again, I'm surprised at it from a guy like David Shaw because he he just does not strike me as that type of guy. But you're you're absolutely right. It was a few years ago against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, what like, you, you just triggered it. It's like he was complaining then. He was complaining before. He was complaining after. Well, you know, our guys had to kick at nine o'clock, body clock, and you know, again, come out two days early, get adjusted. I don't think it's that big a deal, um, but you know it is what it is. If they win, it's not going to be a problem. If they lose, they've already got a built-in excuse. Bama, you know what? Nobody's going to care. Yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of big <laughs> games, I, I, I tried to spend some time this uh, uh, this weekend trying to get refamiliarized with college football. Right? I read so much on yeah. college football because you just you forget from one season you go from college football then you got to you got to focus on college basketball here we are in baseball right. and dot 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 so i found this um this things from sports illustrated the best games in college football on a weekly basis so i sent you the link i sent yep. you a bunch of links i hope it didn't bug you <laughs> but no, i know you love never, college football never. as much as i do and thought if i found something i'm going to share it with you so the best games of the week uh from sports illustrated i think they got a few of them right but i really think they yeah. missed on some games and i know from where I sit, that Oregon Ohio State is going to be a massive game, right? Ohio State's, I don't know, yeah. they're they're one of the they're they're one of the they'll be one of the four highest ranked teams in college football. Oregon's, if they're not the favorite to win the Pac-12, they're certainly one of the favorites. That's a massive game. And we're sitting in, in the state of Iowa. I think this one is going to be pretty big as well, but that's not the one they came yeah. up with. But when you looked at it, which was there one week that boy, how did the hell did you come up with this game? Uh, you totally missed this game. What game that would be, and what game did they? What week did they get wrong? Well, for me, and again, from where I sit, it's week three. I mean, they've got Cincinnati at Indiana, and I understand Cincinnati is that whole, you know, trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, you know, can they crash the party type of thing? Yeah. And then this is one of those games. But you trying to tell me it's better than Alabama at Florida? No, it's not. I mean, how? And then Nebraska, Oklahoma, which, by the way, another AD bitching about a uh, right. early kickoff. I think was Oklahoma. Yeah, he uh, wanted you know, prime that, time so not, he could embarrass it. He could he embarrass wanted prime them. time. Well, right. you know what? If Nebraska were any better, it'd be it would prime be. Time. Yes, but, you know. Yeah, but that that to me, and listen, you know, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of people don't remember the old Big Eight, certainly the Big Eight, or mm-hmm. maybe even the Big Twelve with with Nebraska in there. But that to me is just a throwback game. But listen, I understand Cincinnati. If when you look down at Cincinnati's schedule, okay, to me, Week Five when they play Notre Dame, that's a bigger game. Okay, if they lose this game, even if they win this game, it's not. It, if they lose it, they're done. But they've got. You know, week five at Notre Dame. And then I tell you a fun one. I think week seven, when Gus Malzahn goes into Cincinnati, that, I don't know what UCF's going to be this year, mm-hmm. but they may be pretty good with him. I mean, he, I don't think he, I think game. he was average in the SEC. He's going to have some talent down there. Um, so to me, those weeks just get bigger for Cincinnati than Indiana. You just, I don't know how any rational football, college football fan can say that. 
Cincinnati at Indiana is a better, more important, bigger game than Alabama at Florida Week Three. Just mm. not. Uh, Bam, I don't know what the what the other game would be, but what also got my attention is is the final week of the regular season rivalry weekend. Um, like, I don't think Alabama and Auburn is going to be that good of a game this year. I just don't think that Auburn's right. going to put up a fight. I kind of feel the same way about Michigan, and I get the rivalry. Right? It it is a massive yep. game. I'm not minimizing what Ohio State and Michigan mean to college football. But, man, Harbaugh just, yeah, he's gotten close a couple of years back. They probably should have won uh, in the shoe and pulled off that big upset. But Ohio State's going to march into Ann Arbor as a two-touchdown favorite minimum. I don't think it's going to be much of a game. I don't know what else was out there that weekend rivalry-wise, but... Is is Ohio State-Michigan really the best game of Week 13, or is it because of the helmets? I think it's just because of the, the helmet. And, I mean, listen, I, I, I'll tell you what, you know, and I know it's probably, you know, it, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule here. Ken. I mean, you know, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin and Minnesota could be good mm-hmm. um, that week. I, I don't – I just – I'm with you. I don't know where Michigan is. I mean, it just – that just has to be brand, basically, you know. And, and look, Fox is going to pump it up. It's their noon kickoff already. They've already scheduled it. You know, it's it's going to be Michigan's going to really have to pull off a lot of upsets and be a lot better than people think, in my opinion, for that game to matter. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I don't know about OSU this year. Um, you know, with Hubbard being gone, but you, you really start to look at it. And you mentioned Alabama, Auburn. I I don't know how that's overly competitive Clemson South Carolina that's going to be a train wreck there's you know that's kind of that's kind of a chance to be a letdown of a week you know Florida with you. Florida State and Florida I mean think about it usually it's Alabama Auburn mm-hmm. Michigan Ohio State Florida State Florida Clemson South Carolina I mean none of those games mm-hmm. really have juice this year when you stop and think about it I mean I don't know how Florida State you know it's got to be better than they were last year, but are they going to be able to go into Gainesville and, and keep that game competitive? Mm. Um, I'm I'm not sure. You know, Notre Dame, Stanford, again, you know, maybe. I don't know. Where's Notre Dame going to be? You know, they were in the playoff last year, but that's got a chance to be we'll, – I mean, we'll see. Obviously, we'll know more as we play the season out, but I'm kind of with you. I, I don't – I think it's just brand, and I don't know – but I don't know what's going to be good this year. No. I can't see out the Iron Bowl being – Overly competitive, especially in a first-year coach. We'll see. Uh, Bam, I've got just, the point spreads kind of in front. I'm with you. Florida is a 16-point favorite. Georgia, Georgia yeah. Tech. Georgia's a three-touchdown favorite. Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon 16. Arizona, well, it's not a rivalry. Well, it's a rivalry, but it's not very good in in, yeah. uh, in Arizona. Uh, Alabama's yeah. a 12-point favorite. Um, Michigan's yeah. two. T- and I think that'll grow. I think that'll, I do, too. Uh, that, that'll probably get to 14 or 15 by the time. You know the game actually gets here. Bam! A couple more topics. We'll we'll, we'll let you go, and I appreciate you coming on. Talk a little college football. Johnny Manziel last week. Thank you. Uh, Johnny Manziel came out last week and admitted. I think it was in a bar stool interview. He was doing a, he was doing yeah. a talk, and it was clearly How on. Appropriate, the, by the way. Yeah. Well, it was clearly on satellite because the f bomb dropped repeatedly. <laughs> Although that's no stranger. Well, we don't even got it down there. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it certainly changed KXNO for the better. Um, but but nonetheless, Johnny Manziel admitted taking money while he was still a student athlete at Texas A&M for signing memorabilia in hotel rooms. 
Now, I think we'd be right. naive to think that he's the only one that did this. But should he have come out and yeah. um, and let the secret out of the bag? Bush, comma Reggie. Right. What well, did was, did he did, did he do the right thing here, or was there a lot of folks yeah. squeamish? No, I think he I think he did the right thing. Look, you, you got to bring it out. First of all, it, it might just be a way to keep be keeping his name out there. This was what over a decade ago now. Two thousand, okay, I mean, yeah, almost, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 2012 when, yeah. when he went into Bryant-Denny and, and had that great game. And so, you know, you're getting eight, nine years away from that. So, you know, Still he, one of the most he, remarkable games, Bama, I've seen in college football. Great college football yeah. game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Heisman winner. The thing I found interesting was like, well, you know, I didn't take any before I won the Heisman. I'm not, I'm not buying that right, at all. Right. Okay, I think he started getting it from the day he stepped on campus, but that's a different story. He probably doesn't want the Heisman taken away from him. Um, Maybe this is a way to keep his name out there because, let's face it, I mean, he's had all kinds of issues. He's flamed out everywhere he's he's played after that one great year. Um, But, you know, he kind of reminds me of Jose Canseco in the steroid thing, Ken. You know, we all made fun of him until he came out. Oh, well, God, he was telling the point. Yep. Um, You know, so now I think that I think it is good to shed light. And, listen, this was a high-profile you know, Heisman Trophy winner saying, yeah, I got paid to sign stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a safe full of money. They gave me the combination, called me, gave me the combination, <laughs> I took the money out. I mean, yeah. you know, pretty elaborate if you really want to think about it. But, again, I don't think that he's the only one since. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think you'd be you'd see some pretty big names on there. But they, they have to get this NLI um, situation settled. And he's a guy that I, I go back to Tua. At Alabama, how much money could Tua have made off of his image, name, image, and likeness? Okay, you know, name on the back of the jersey, selling autographs, whatever, and it cost him millions, probably, or you know, hundreds of thousands. And you know, then you looked at that horrific injury. That kid could have never played football again if not for the great surgeons mm-hmm. that he had um, with that horrific injury. So, I'm all about these guys getting it when they can. I think it's good. You can make fun of him all you want, and he's done a lot. To deserve that, but I think that him shining a light on that can only be good because you. And I don't think the NCAA is going to ever be able to stop it. I think I also like what he said, but you know, listen, I didn't give a crap about if we had to, you know, vacate wins or take right. away stats. I didn't care at this and, point. Yeah, you know, he's right. Yeah, why would you at mm-hmm. that point? So I think it's a good thing that he shed some light on that. I. I as crazy as it sounds, I think it's a good thing. So I look at we you take a look at the list of the guys that have come after him and come before him. I mean Baker Mayfield yeah. at Oklahoma. Right. Eh, I don't want to know. I honestly, Bam, I don't want to know if they did, but yeah. I would be surprised if some of these and guys you know what? didn't. I don't care, Ken. I'm with I, you. I want to know what they did between the lines. Yes. Listen, if you to me is if you if you pay them to come to your university, maybe you're crossing a line there. If a guy's taking autographs or even no work jobs I don't care. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I mean, they're they're putting it all on the line because let's face it, when you've got contracts, TV contracts in the billion right now, what's the most a player is going to be able to make? Ten, you know, five figures, maybe low six figures while he's in college. Mm-hmm. Let him make it because he's bringing in. If he's that good, he's bringing in ten, fifteen times what what he's getting off of you know 
from off of autographs or whatever. So and maybe they don't, don't have care. to go to hotel rooms and sneak in the back door and sign Absolutely. these things. And maybe Absolutely. So, so last thing, Bama, so, so should we go back now? I mean, I, I watch, you watch football, college football in 2005. The majority of our audience remembers 2005. Reggie Bush was miles the best player in college football. Yes. Yet there's, yes. We, they gave him the Heisman, then they took it away for a benefit that his parents received. I get it. Right. It's against the rules, and I made a big deal earlier, but you got to sign your scorecard if you're John Smoltz. I get it. I don't want to know what's going right. on in college basketball. I don't want to know what's going on in college football. Does this do anything? I mean, I don't think that the Heisman Committee would uh, would readdress their decision of 2005, but maybe they should. Uh, I don't think they will. I hope they don't. I mean, come on. It's just it's, it's we're so far removed from it. What are you going to do? I mean. He was the best player on the field that year. Yeah. Who cares how many pieces of memorabilia he signed in a hotel room? Yeah. I mean, did he cheat on the field? Did he take PEDs? Okay, if you can prove that, fine. All right. Otherwise, just no. I can tell you right now, and this, you know, maybe you, you know Texas fans have a little fun with it or whatever, but nobody else is really going to care if you're a true college football fan. He was the best player most exciting player that I've seen in a long time. I mean, he just just drew it up in the sand as it went along. And, (laughs) I mean, I really really don't care. And I I saw Bush was on this, you know, list of, you know, college football Hall of Famers that you sent out. And, you know, he – I'd vote him in. You know, he's top three. Yep. In my top three, no question. I don't care if he took benefits or whatever. On the field, the guy was money. Yep, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so Bama, to speak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> last thing, since we've come on the air, Nick Saban has agreed to an extension of three years. He's now signed through 2029, uh, $8.5 million roughly per year. So he signed a three-year extension. That's eight more years, Bama, to 2029. We've got 30 seconds left. Will he see the end of this deal, do you think? I don't think so, Ken. I think he's got... I mean, he would be, be 77. He'd be 77 when it ended. Yeah, he's going to be 70 this season, mm-hmm. which is stupid when you think about it. Um, Paterno went to know. 84 till he was 84. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he wants to go. He, he and Bowden. I don't. I mean, you know, look. You know, he's a young 70. <clears throat> if you want to look at it that way, but I don't think he'll see nine more years. I just. I really don't. Maybe, maybe so. You know, maybe he's still up for it. Maybe he's still up for the challenge. Maybe he's got, you know, four more national championships by then. But that's a long time out. I think this is just more of them saying, listen, you know, for the next two or three recruiting classes, because it's going to start with him like yep. it did with Bowden, like it did with Paterno, like everyone does. Mac Brown, go, go down the list. You know, well, you know, hey, you know, Saban's not going to be there your four full year. Well, you know what? He's signed now for nine years. So I think the next two or three recruiting classes, that's not going to be an issue. They'll have a succession plan in mind. Uh, I think kind of like what you saw with Duke, uh, with Coach K. Mm-hmm. They'll 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 have the guy. Whether he'll be on staff or not, I don't know. But they'll they'll have they'll have the next guy pretty much lined up. Whether that's Kiffin or whoever by then. But I don't think he'll see nine more years. I hope he sees nine more years, you know, on the planet. But I don't yeah. think he'll see nine more years on the sideline. Bama, where he does. I, think it's bad news for everybody <laughs> other than if you're a fan of alabama good stuff pal uh talk to you in the weeks ahead appreciate it thanks man have a great week uh, good luck and, to your bruins 
Thanks a bunch, Ken. Always enjoy it. Call me anytime, buddy. Thanks, pal. See ya. Bama Bob talking college football as we do throughout the regular season a couple times a week during the season, Mondays and Fridays, and then uh, certainly weekly leading up to it as we get to media days, which are creeping closer. We will get to the end of the program on the other side of this. It's 1460 KXNO. All right, final minute on a Monday. It's the Miller and Condon radio program. Murph and Andy in about an hour from right now. The Fanatics are in at three. Always good to see Jimmy B, our number one Jimmy B, former partner in here, popped by, was in town. Uh, Spent a few minutes catching up with Jimmy B and Randy Peterson in our number one when I saw that story over the weekend. Uh, The story on the uh, Cyhawk and the Mediacom snafu that continues. And part of the story was the 48 years that he's been covering sports at the register that's unbelievable good for him all right uh, like you said in a murph and andy in an hour the fanatics at three tomorrow another day of local program begins with the morning rush the crew is on at six we're miller and condon we're here monday through friday from 10 until noon on des moines sports station 1460 kxno 106.3 fm